We're going to pray. I actually was speaking to a pastor this week, a friend of mine, and um, he was telling me that uh, you're not supposed to do Romans in church. And I said, what? <laughs> and uh, he said, yeah, if, if you do Romans, it's too complicated for people and, and uh, they, they, they just can't follow it. It's too much. And I was like, but God gave it to us. So if you're confused as we go through Roman, we'll just be confused together, but we're going to go through it nonetheless. So, uh, but I, I was shocked kind of when he said that, uh, but you know what? We're not, we're the church that's just going to go verse by verse through the word of God. So with that said, let's go ahead and pray and uh, we'll get into the word. Lord God, Father, we thank you so much for this time together. We pray, Lord, that you might open our, our um, ears and our hearts uh, ready to receive your word and our hands and our feet ready to do your will, your word. Uh, Lord, give us understanding now. And Father, I pray that we just all be transformed, that, that we might leave here different than the way we came in. Lord, encourage us who, who are weak or timid or just down. And Lord, for those who, who need to be convicted of sin, Lord, convict us. Uh, we, we're, we're here, we're listening. We want to look more like you. So we thank you for your word, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we're in Romans chapter 5, and, um, well, how do I say this? You all are going to die. You all will die. If not for the wonderful gift of the Lord Jesus Christ, that would be all I have for you tonight. I'm telling you. Uh, But that's what Romans 5 is all about. We're learning that there is another option. That uh, as we get into Romans chapter 5, we're going to see a contrast between the position that we are in in Adam, that we've been born of Adam, and the position that we can be in born in Christ. And Unfortunately, the, the, I know we've all heard the statistic that uh, as far as the, the death rate is 100% for 100, you know, it's just like everyone's going to die and so true is that. We know that the Bible tells us, uh, told Adam in the garden uh, not to eat of the fruit of the tree in the midst of the garden because he will die if he eats it on the day that he eats of that. And certainly from that, we know death has reigned in this world. And, and Jesus Christ, as he stood at the tomb of his friend Lazarus, um, his sister said, Lord, if you would have been here, he wouldn't have died. And, and Jesus, in, the, in that moment at the tomb, and of course, Jesus gave that wonderful statement, I am the resurrection, the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies, and the one who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Uh, she said, yeah, Lord, I, I believe that the resurrection. But when Jesus got to the tomb, it says he wept. And, and I really believe, you know, he had stated already that he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. He, he had stated it multiple times before ever getting there and, and when he got there, but yet he wept. And you and I generally don't weep when we know the end of a story. You know, if we know what's coming, that, that maybe our fears haven't been realized, that things are going to turn out good, we don't weep. But I really believe that Jesus, as he saw the the, the result of sin, that, that how we were held captive by the sin nature, 
that we had no other option, he wept for us, knowing even that he would die for us on that cross. And so as we enter into chapter 5, verse 12, we're going to see some contrasts tonight. And we're going to look for those contrasts. But let me go ahead and get started with with, uh, verse 12. Uh, It's where we left off last week. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sinned, for until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. I'm going to stop there for a moment. By the way, you're going to have to forgive us. I forgot to give Alma all my verses. So there might be some times where she has to kind of catch up. So I apologize. But there's always pews under the chairs in front of you. And um, hey, can you guys do something about that echo? If, if it'd be all right, thanks. It's a little weird for me. Uh, okay. So uh, here we are, therefore, just as through one man's sin entered the world and death through sin and thus death spread to all men because all sin. And so what we see is the problem. And I want you to realize that man is under judgment because he has sin, a sin nature, not because he sins. You and I suffer the, the judgment because of a sin nature, not because we sin. So we are not sinners because we sin. We sin because we are sinners. I know that sounds like a play on words there, but here's what I'm saying is that you sin, the reason why you do sin is because you already have this sin nature. You might be uh, tempted to approach the gospel with the idea of I'm basically a good person. Of course, we've been through that in chapters uh, two, three, or one, two, and three, all the way through seeing that no one is exempt from this judgment. We've already explained that. The, the religious, the, the, those who uh, just uh, go on in their sin, and the unreligious, and the immoral, and then, of course, the, those who are basically good people, just morally good, but they all need a Savior. And so here, as we enter into this chapter in Romans, we're going to be talking a lot about sin and, and why we are sinners, why we have this sin nature, and that we can have a new nature that's given to us. Now, there's a few words for sin here in this passage that I want, want to point out to you just so you understand what we're talking about. The first word for sin in Greek is hamartia, and you can find it right there in verse 12. It says, uh, just as through one man sin entered the world. World, and that's hamartia, and it's it means to miss the mark. So it's as if you're shooting or sending a satellite to Mars, and your math wasn't quite correct on the trajectory, and you missed it. What happens when you miss Mars? Well, you just keep going, right? You're, you're not you're just you're not coming back. You missed it. You 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 you've totally missed the mark, and you're. You're lost in space, so to speak. And so that's what hamartia has to do with. It's, it's to make this error, to miss the mark against God. The second word for sin is transgression. And we see that in verse 14 where it says, sin according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam. And that word, parabasis, that's the act of deviating 
from an established boundary. Basically what it means is here's the line and I'm stepping over it. So I understand where the line is and I am intentionally going to step over that. That's, the, that's that, that word for sin there, transgression. And then the last word for sin that we're going to see in this passage actually comes a little bit later, and it, it's uh, translated offense in our Bibles, and it's uh, parapatoma, and it's the imagery of making a false step or to lose footing. So we have, and what, what that would be is like, uh, imagine carrying uh, your waitress or waiter, a server, and you're carrying a platter of goods and you misstep and it dumped, right? So that's that idea of a misstep, okay? So we have a, uh, a missing the mark. We have crossing the, the line or overstepping our boundary or just a false step, a misstep, a stumble, all these words here for sin are, are located in this. Now, already, uh, I, the reason why I'm talking about these different words that are represented here is because surely you are already finding yourself in this list somewhere that you've had an offense against God. You've either uh, missed the mark, that God's expectation uh, or standard, you, you've missed that mark, or maybe you've crossed intentionally the boundary knowing what was sin. You know, of course, all of us as children know the time when our parents told us this, don't do this, and we look at our parent and we do it, right? Uh, I know with my kids, I'd always say, don't do that. It's going to end bad. If you touch that or you you pick that up, it's going to be bad. Just don't do it. Look at me. Come over here. Don't do it. And they're looking at you and they're like, oh, yeah, I'm doing it. (laughs) And uh, and so it ends bad. Uh, And so that would be the trespass. Or there's the stumbling, uh, that you've, you've taken a false step and lost your footing. So here in, in verse 12, it says that, that uh, through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sin. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. Now this is kind of a complicated verse, and I think this is kind of some of the things my friend was speaking about about teaching Romans is because there are some complicated passages in Roman. And it's not always the most exciting, but here's what's important about Romans is it helps us understand these things. As we go through Romans, we're going to see that there's a lot for us to learn about our nature and what, who we are in Jesus Christ. Well, now as we get into verse 13, as Paul's been saying that sin has come into the world through through man and death through that man, he says, for until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. And so remember, Paul's always anticipating uh, what somebody might argue back to him. And that, so he's always kind of anticipating that. And, and so he says, he's already anticipating somebody saying, well, the law didn't come until Moses at Sinai. So how is it that you're saying that that sin entered the world through one man because the law didn't come till Sinai, so therefore we didn't sin until Sinai. And, and, and so Paul's kind of anticipating that argument. And he said, no, no, no. The, the, the sin was in the world before the law was given at Sinai. Before Israel received the, the commandments at Sinai, sin was in the world. And how do we know sin was in the world? Well, there was death. There was death. Now, understand this. 
everything we hate about this life, the things that leave the greatest scars in our life are the product of sin. That's, that's the reality of the situation. The, the things that we hate, the, the things that leave deep scars in us, the things that leave us longing for long, uh, passed on loved ones, it's the result of sin. And you can know that sin is in the world because there is death. Because God said that if you eat of that, the fruit of that tree, you will, you will die. And they ate of the fruit of that tree and from that point in time, we had death. And so sin had entered the world. And so Paul says that, that death reigned from Adam to Moses. Now, he does give this little caveat here. He says, even over those who had not sinned, according to the, oh, sorry. He says, uh, sorry, before that, it says, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. So what's that speaking about? That's a little challenging uh, because we've talked about this word imputed before. But first thing I want to say is this word impute, here is different than the word in chapter four. Remember, in chapter four, we looked at the word imputed to us as a word that, that giving us, uh, the, the uh, putting on us that which was Christ. So Christ paid for our, the price for our sins, and it's imputed to us righteousness. And for us, we imputed unto him our sin. Well, this word imputed is actually the idea of charging to the account of someone, Okay. So uh, in Philemon, Paul wrote to, Ones- or to Philemon about Onesimus, and he said, whatever he has taken, whatever he owes, charge it to my account. Okay? That, and, and the same word imputed is used there as here. And it, it's the idea that, that this person has charged this to their account. Um, so it's a little different than, than taking um, the fault or the fruit of somebody else's action. So this is being charged for something. And so, so we see that before the law, people sinned, but, but they didn't have the law, so it wasn't necessarily charged to an account. And what does that look like? Well, let me give you a simple illustration. You're driving down a street. In fact, actually, we can drive right out here onto Maple Avenue, and you're driving down to the circle, although you wouldn't be driving down there tonight because you're like, no, it's chaos down there, Right. Or actually, you, even if you were, you'd be like, it's too hot, right? We're not going to the street fair tonight. Uh, by the way, I've heard some great th- stories from our booth down there praying for people. But uh, stay on target. Here, I got to stay on this. So, all right. So, so you're driving uh, down Maple, and before there was no stop sign there. So you could just drive through because there's no stop sign. So as long as there was no no cars. Actually, it was on the Cambridge part of the street that there was no stop sign. So cars would just drive through, right? And, uh, and it caused some accidents. And so they put in a four-way stop there at Maple and Cambridge. But now you're driving down Cambridge and you didn't see that they put in a stop sign. Now you, you drive through that stop sign and what happens? Well, the police officer pulls you over, you get a ticket. Now it's charged to you. Okay, now you've actually, it's been recorded about you breaking the law. Now, you could have before driven through that area without paying attention and, and had a car accident or done something uh, that, w- that wasn't safe for other people or selfish, been speeding or whatever the case is. And yeah, you sinned or trespassed against someone else, but, but, but it wasn't going to be charged to your account with like a ticket. Okay, and so that's what the idea is here is that um, Paul is saying that before the law came, 
uh, it wasn't necessarily charged to the account. They were still in sin because sin re- death reigned. So there was still sin. The problem of sin was still there, but, but it just wasn't charged to the account. N- then when the law comes, now it's charged to the account, okay? So, so as Paul is, is beginning to, to help us understand this, he says, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam. So the, those who had not sinned in the same way Adam did, they're still suffering the effect of sin. So wait, how's that, how's that possible, Paul? That, that everybody's still suffering the effect of sin the, the, in the fact that they're dying, but they didn't eat the fruit of the tree. Well, because sin was passed through Adam. That's where, that, this is the whole argument Paul is making. And, and notice he says, who is a type of him who was to come? And that's what we're going to be looking at to, this evening as we continue on here, is the contrast between Adam and Christ, okay? Uh, Adam is a type of Christ by contrast. And, and, um, and so that's what we're going to see. So let's move in here to, to verse 15. It says, but the free gift is not like the offense. For if by one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of one man Jesus Christ abounded to many. In uh, 2000, uh, there was a, a, a virus that was launched on the world from Manila in the Philippines. It was a computer virus, and it was called the love bug and, uh, virus, and it was like a huge virus. Basically, uh, the, it all started because a guy wanted free internet. That's what the whole thing started about. He wasn't, didn't intend to steal it. Uh, steal anything, even though technically it is. But, but he he thought that well, if I just got people's passwords, then I could use their internet because I can't afford internet. So, so he developed this virus that went by email into Outlook Mail, and the virus basically said, "I love you," and uh, a love letter or whatever. And so people would open it. And then it was over. <laughs> just by that text, just the email, as soon as you opened it, your computer was infected. And then it would pass that email on to others. And like 75 million computers in the world were infected at that time, uh, maybe even more. But for 20, actually even, uh, I don't know if they've actually even charged the person yet. They all believe that it's this one uh, Filipino man, Guzman. Uh, but I guess he's never really fessed up to it. Uh, nor would I, I don't think he would if, if without a lawyer. But anyway, they, so this, this uh, email he sent at like one in the morning. One in the morning he was having an internet chat with somebody in the Philippines. So he sent the email and then he left and went and got drunk at a bar. And um, overnight it just destroyed computers. It just went everywhere across the world and they manhunt looking for him and all these things. But through one man's actions, all these computers were infected, okay? Why am I telling you this? Well, with, as with Adam, for if by one man's offense, many died. Now, what does he mean by many? He means all. Uh, by many, all died. And the free gift of God is not like the offense. Because much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, it abounded to many. Well, how do we know that many means all? Well, let me just give you some context here. We're going to go through some passages real quick. 
All right, you ready, Alma? You ready on this? Here we go. <laughs> this is where I was worried about for you. All right, 2 Corinthians 5.17. Oh, sorry, sorry, not that one. Hebrews 2.9, we're gonna go there. Hebrews 2.9, Jesus died for all. It says, but we see Jesus, Hebrews 2.9, but we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor that he by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone, okay? Jesus died for all. Next verse is 2 Corinthians 5, verses 14 through 15. 2 Corinthians 5, verses 14 through 15. Oh, good job. For the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died. So again, um, and verse 15 says, and he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. So once again, how many, who did Jesus die for? For all. 1 John 2, verse 2, 1 John 2, verse 2 says, and he himself is the propitiation or the atonement for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. So there are, are some that take a position that Christ's death was not for all. And we can argue about it later if you guys want to argue. We, we can do that. It'll be fun. Uh, but at Calvary Chapel, we're going to teach the text. And we're going to let the tension in the text lie. But I'm going to tell you this. The scripture says all. For all the, the world. For the whole world. For all, Christ died. And who is that salvation for? It's for all, not for just the the few. John 7, verse 37. John 7, verse 37. Look at what it says here. It says, uh, okay, John 7, verse 37 says, On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink, okay? Anyone who's thirsty, you come to me and drink. Speaking about that invitation for salvation. Matthew 11, verses 28 and 29. Matthew 11, verses 28 and 29 says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Verse 29 Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And, and in context, this is speaking about the law, that there's the, the yoke of Christ or the yoke of the law, and you can choose which one you want. So come to me. There's the offer to all, all who labor. And then Mark 16, verses 15 through 16. Mark 16, verses 15 through 16. Says, and he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And we're going to see later on in Romans that the invitation is for all, Christ's death is for all, the invitation is for all, but it won't be applied to all, only those who believe. Revelation 22, verse 17, this is the last verse. Revelation 22, verse 17. And the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him who hears say, come. 
and let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. What a wonderful invitation. So if you found yourself in a place where you haven't received that wonderful invitation, you, you can. And that's what we're talking about here in Romans chapter 5. That, that the offense is, uh, the free gift is not like the offense um, because through God's grace, we receive life. Let's go back to verse 16 here of Romans 5. Romans 5, verse 16. And it says, And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For judgment which came from one, one offense resulted in condemnation, but the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. So verse 16, we have a contrast here, and that contrast is condemnation versus justification. So in verse 16, we see that the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. That was Adam. He sinned. And through Adam's sin, we all sin. We have that sin nature. For the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation, right? So we know that death came from one, one sin. And, and uh, we all are under that sin nature. But the free gift which came... It came from many offenses, but it resulted in your justification. Remember all the, all the offenses that were done against Christ uh, and him taking upon himself the sin of the world, and that resulted in what? Your justification when you believed on him. It, it's actually a beautiful, beautiful, wonderful gift. Now, you might be prone to think like, well, wait a minute. Uh, I'm not sure if I agree with you about the whole sin nature thing. Well, you, you don't have to. All you have to do is see the result of sin, which is death. And uh, I know that some people want to believe that we're all born with like a clean slate. So babies are born with a clean slate, no sin. And therefore, uh, they, they don't, don't actually have a sin nature until they sin. But the problem is babies also die. They're still suffering under that, that condemnation from the one sin. They're still suffering from that. The Bible says there is no one good, not even one. We've already been through that. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so, so it's not an issue of not, not being born with a clean state. It's an issue of being born as, under Adam. And Adam being our, our head uh, and the one who, who has given us this sin nature. So you and I need a new nature. That's the important part here. And praise God that Jesus, uh, that we're told in, in Corinthians when, when Paul writes, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed, and behold, all things have become new. And, and that's where we get this new nature, born of the Spirit, no longer born of the flesh. So going on from there, Romans 5, 17 is going to be our third contrast here. And it says, for if by the one man's offense, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. And so here's our next contrast. It's about the death dealer and the life giver. Let me read it one more time. For by one man's offense, death reigned through the one. Okay, so that's by Adam. The one man's offense, death is reigned. Much more those who receive abundance of grace 
and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. So we have two options. We either let Adam represent us or we let Christ. Those are our two options. If we allow Christ to represent us, we now, um, through that gift of righteousness, we reign in life. Verse 17, for if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in the life through the one Jesus Christ. Now, picking back up at verse 18, so I don't know if you realize that, but from 13 to 17 was a big parenthetical statement, okay? Uh, So now we're jumping into 18. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even so through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. Now, again, uh, there's a caveat here. And uh, the, the whole idea is that Christ has done the work for us, but the question is, will the work be applied to you? And that's an important uh, question to ask yourselves. And I'm assuming most of you, because you came to Bible study on Sunday night to hear Romans, uh, I'm assuming most of you believe that, yeah, that, that's applied to me. I believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I've received the gift of salvation from him. And so I'm, I'm going to assume that, but, but listen, it's only if those who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, as we looked at earlier in chapter 4 and 5 of Romans, that, that when you believe in Jesus, you have positionally moved into Christ. And, and because you've said, Lord, I want the forgiveness of my sins, that which you paid for me, I accept it, and, and uh, you've received new life, it's applied to you. Remember what we had been looking at a couple weeks ago in chapter 5, verse 1, where it said, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have access by faith into grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And so we, we spoke about those wonderful, those three incredible gifts given to us by believing in Jesus, and that was uh, peace with God. Uh, grace, uh, uh, the access to God, and then, of course, the, we talked about the hope certain. Not, not uh, hope maybe, but the hope certain in Christ for the glory of God. And so, so uh, Paul says here later on in verse um, 18 that the righteous act, uh, the free gift came to all men resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, verse 19, many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. All right, verse 20. We're doing good here. Okay. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through the righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So this is, this is a, bit, a bit tricky as well, as Paul helps us understand this. He says, uh, and again, Paul's always anticipating what people are going to ask. And he's like, okay, so if sin was already reigning up to Sinai, up to the giving of the law, why did God give the law? And, and, and so Paul says, the law entered that the offense might abound. So, and this isn't saying that God wanted you to be more guilty than you already were. It wasn't that, that, that's not the case. 
But, but the idea is that the law helps us understand the guilt that we have. Because the law is there, we understand that we've broken the law. Uh, for instance, uh, even when you drive on the freeway, of course in Southern California it doesn't really matter, but <laughs> when you drive on the freeway there's a speed limit and I'll, it was never more apparent to me how much we all speed until I got my motorcycle's license the first time I'm on the freeway. Actually, it was when I had my permit. And I was like, everybody drives so fast on the freeway. Because I just wasn't ready to go that fast yet. Uh, but uh, in Southern California, obviously, everybody's going 80 all the time. And like, if you're going 65, which is the speed limit, you feel like you're going to be ran over. Uh, and so I, I'm happier with that. My wife is not happier with that. So my wife is... Uh, kind of always like, everybody needs to slow down. Like, no, honey, you're going to get us hit. Let's go. Um, but uh, <laughs> but we, we know that because there's a speed limit, the speed limit was there to protect the people. And, and, and the law does the same thing. The law protects others. I mean, think about what if, if there was no law of God, if we, weren't, if we weren't given the law of God, we would... We would uh, well, what's the big deal if I worship false idols? Well, you're worshiping a lie because we're to worship the Lord our God alone. Well, what's the big deal if I sleep with my neighbor's wife? Well, it's a big deal to him, right? It's a bi- <laughs> that's a big deal. Uh, what, what's the big deal if I bear false witness, right? So the law not only protects others, but it also helps us understand that this is unrighteousness at work within us because it helps us understand how selfish we are. Sin is self-serving. And, and sin is all about self. Adam and Eve in the garden, when, when the woman saw the fruit, what did she say? Well, seeing the fruit that it was a delight to the eye, good for food, and desirable for making one wise, she took it and ate it. Does that have anything to do with anybody else? Did, did she ever stop to say, hey, we should probably think about the consequences of this action and what it could mean for our children or anybody else? Well, they don't do that. It's sin. Sin is always self-serving. And, and usually when we think about sin, we don't ever think about what, what will the consequences be for everybody else around us. It's just like, hey, I just... It feels right, I want to do it. And so, so the, the, the offense actually abounds more as we understand the law of God, but it also teaches us the need for our Savior. In Galatians, Paul calls the law the schoolmaster. It teaches us that, that, that we, need, we need to understand these things. But God's solution is that even as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And that's where this chapter ends this evening is with grace reigning through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Remember, what is the problem? The problem is the reign of sin. And what does the reign of sin bring? Death. So how does he end in chapter five? He ends with righteousness, that grace reigning through righteousness, and what, what is the result? Eternal life. It's the cure for the problem. One man's sin brought, brought the offense and brought death through the sin nature. It brought death. 
through, the, through Jesus Christ and, and, and the work of Christ, we can have uh, life and life eternal. It's the solution. Now, you, you're probably saying right now, well, Pastor, couldn't you have just said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will have eternal life? Yes. But now you understand a much, <laughs> a much deeper, okay, uh, that, that Christ, all the work he has done for us. Now, all of these things build so we understand why God did all this. And we're going to see that all of this is unto his glory. That's what we're going to see. Uh, we're going to see that all of these things come about to the glory of God that he redeemed us. Because as we go into Romans deeper, we're going to see that, um, we're, hopefully we're going to understand on a deeper level what Christ has done for us, how we deal with sin going forward in the future, how, we, how, how is it that now I'm positionally in Christ, but I haven't been cured of wanting to be self-serving, right? Because that's an issue sometimes, uh, with many of the, much of the time. Uh, we want to serve ourselves and still, still engage in sin. But the key here is that you're no longer, it, it, once you're in Christ, you are no longer of the sin nature. You're of the new nature. And positionally, you're in Christ and although you sin, you're not going to be judged by that sin. You're actually going to stand in grace through Jesus Christ, okay? Um, so that's where we're going to call it tonight. I think I've, I've, uh, I've, <laughs> I've got you guys all. It, it's a lot going on. And I, I've decided that with Romans, for the most part, I'm going to shorten sermons just because it's a lot to, to take in. And it, ho- hopefully it makes sense all these things, but, but in the end, I just want to encourage you that you might know Jesus Christ and the righteousness that comes through him, that you might receive that grace and the eternal life. So we're going to pray because uh, Jason wants us to pray. And uh, we're going to pray and then uh, we will uh, just jump it in there. I, I want to ask for prayer for something though. Um, we have a missionary and I have to be very careful how I say this and I'll, I'll totally tell, share with you in person when we're not online. We have a missionary. Most of you know who he is or can figure it out. He is in a very desert place. Paul said, remember my chains. Um, And so I want to ask that you will be praying for this missionary. He is on a, um, entering into a trial this week. And uh, we're praying for him, him to be set free. Uh, but he's got a lot of, um, just a lot of trials right now, physically, um, obviously spiritual, and then of course, uh, possibly a life sentence. So if you will please uh, be praying for him this week, uh, I would greatly appreciate it. Lord willing, we'll know something by Wednesday. So I hope to have a good report by next Sunday. With that said, let's go ahead and pray. Lord, uh, we thank you so much for this time together, and we do pray for uh, my dear friend that you, that you might um, set him free from the charges. Lord, he is guilty of making you known, and so, Lord, we pray that uh, in the end, that those who have put him on trial will will not only see that he is not guilty of these charges, but Lord, maybe they might even meet you through this, this uh, trial. 
So we ask for, for your mercy upon him. And Lord, as we understand this wonderful gift that you've given to us, the justification you've given to us in you, we give you all the praise and all the glory, Lord, that, that you stepped out of heaven and died for us on that cross, that you took our sin upon yourself, and that through your death and resurrection, Lord, we now have a new nature in you. We are a totally new creation, and we thank you for that. And if you haven't ever received the Lord Jesus Christ, I want to encourage you, just you pray, Lord, forgive me of my sin. I'm ready to follow you. Thank you for doing the work for me. Lord, we give you all the praise because the more we understand sin and our nature, the more we realize there's no way we could have ever uh, saved ourselves, that it's only in you we can have forgiveness and eternal life. So we thank you and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's sing a song of worship. Anybody just end up and uh, worship our king. He has done great things for us.
Thank you, all you guys, for all the hard work. I know, I know you guys put a lot of hard work into doing this. I still think we should create a ska band because I want to bring back ska, but whatever. <laughs> so uh, thanks for joining us tonight. If you're new, uh, come say hi to me just so I can meet you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance and give you peace. Amen. Amen.